You know, have you ever had a a pet, chiefly a dog, but but a pet, and um, you were away and you came back where whatever it was, an hour or a day or whatever the case may be, and uh, when you walk in and you see the pet, they have this guilty look on their face, right? So some of you have been there, you know, you laugh, you go, yeah, I identify that. And you immediately know they've done something wrong. And their expression communicates that to you because they are guilty, right? Same thing with children. I never will forget when uh, our children were younger. And um, and one day we heard Ariel and she was crying quite extensively. And, uh, and we started to see what was wrong and David was coming the other way. And, uh, and when we looked at David as we were going to see what's wrong with your sister, wife, sister crying, there was this look on his face that you identify and you go, okay, what's happened here? So we find Ariel, try to, to start getting her to calm down and we realize that David is holding in his hand what looks like a bouquet of some small weeds or flowers, which in reality is a chunk about the quarter size of hair out of Ariel's head. And so he was indeed guilty. He was uh, guilty as, as charged, right? So guilt has, has a lot of things that it does to our life. It affects us in a lot of different ways. There is a story of a man by the name of Robert Garth. Robert Garth was 15 years old. And he came from a very poor family and very difficult circumstances and situation in life. And, uh, and Robert one day at 15 years of age robbed and killed a man. No one knew, no one saw, and, and he got away with the crime. A crime of desperation because of the poverty in which he was living and the struggle that he was facing. And for 15 years, he lived with that secret and that guilt and the effect that it had on his life. At 30 years of age, he could not deal with the guilt of what he had done any longer. And so he went and turned himself into the police. And he confessed his crime and what he had done and told them everything about it. And as would be, it went through the process and he was sentenced to go to prison. And he later wrote these words. Listen to what he says. He says, my time in prison was easy compared to the 15 years I lived with the guilt of my crime in my mind. Time in prison was easy compared to the 15 years that I lived carrying the guilt of what I had done in my mind. My incarceration in the mind of my guilt was the worst thing I had ever known in my life. The guilt that he carried and the way that that guilt imprisoned him was the worst thing that he had ever experienced in his life. Nothing they could do to me by incarcerating me for the rest of my life even could measure up to the awful sense of being in the prison of my own mind and guilt through the 15 years that I hid my sin. 
He had gone through 15 years while he had done the crime. And he deserved to be punished and to pay the price. He had gone through 15 years of guilt. Of his mind just just continually affecting his life. And, and how things happened and what he did and the, and the choices he made until the point he could not take it any longer. And then he compared the fact that, of being in prison that it was nothing compared to the prison that he had been in mentally for 15 years because of his guilt. In life we do things that we are not proud of. In life we do things that we carry around guilt, shame, remorse, and embarrassment because of those things. And God's Word teaches us that we can find freedom from the burden of guilt in our hearts and in our lives. The psalmist David teaches us some powerful lessons about how we go through the process and the journey of repentance that relieves us from the guilt that we have been carrying around through God's mercy. And so this morning, I want us to look into God's Word and to look at David's life and to see the actions that he took, not so much what he did to be guilty, but what he did to deal with the guilt in his life, to remove that guilt from his mind and from his heart. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, Psalm chapter 51 and we know there are a lot of places in the psalm that David talks about his guilt and how the guilt affected him and how it impacted his life, his physical, his mental, his emotional, his spiritual well-being. But here we find David crying out and resolving the guilt of his life. And those are the lessons that we want to learn. It says this, Be gracious to me, O God, according to thy loving kindness." According to the greatness of thy compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned, and done what is evil in thy sight. So that thou art justified when thou dost speak, and blameless... When thou dost judge. Psalmist David writes and and he's pleading for relief from his guilt. But the first thing we note is that in order to, to receive freedom from that guilt, to receive God's forgiveness and God's blessing, is that we have to acknowledge our guilt. We have to be willing to recognize that there is guilt in our life. And sometimes there is guilt from our past, but we have allowed our conscience to become so hard and so seared and so calloused that we often refuse to acknowledge that guilt. It's there. It still exists. We, we refuse to acknowledge the sin that brings that guilt. And so we try to push it down. We try to hide it. We try to cover it. We, we don't want others to know about it if it's a secret. Or if it's something that's in our past, we don't want to dredge it up again. We'd rather just let it go. 
But David is helping us to understand today that if we are going to experience true freedom from that past and that guilt, that we must acknowledge our guilt. We must acknowledge the thing that we've done as we begin the journey toward freedom. And we must confront that guilt and understand with humility and sincerity the consequences of that, the cost of that, and the impact of that on our life. Acknowledge the things that we've done. Admit them to the Lord. And not just, Lord, I've sinned, forgive me, but acknowledge what that sin is. Recognize it for what it is in regards to Him. And then ask Him to help us to deal with it in our life. We have to bring those things before the Lord. We have to confess them to Him in order for Him to begin to help us to deal with them in our lives as we begin to seek forgiveness. It's interesting that David here, as he talks about his sin, he acknowledges it to the Lord. He uses four different terms to identify that sin. The first one he says is, blot out my transgressions. Transgressions is more of a legal term. It is in regards to a revolt against the law. In other words, I knew it was wrong and I did it anyway. I knew that it was something that I should not do and I chose to do that anyway. That's transgressions. And so he says, blot out my transgressions. Then he uses the word iniquity. Iniquity is is still involving sin, but it's the sin of a human nature. So in other words, my nature tempted me. Remember we talked about this a few weeks ago in regards that we are tempted when we are led away by our own. It's not by anybody else. It's, it's, it's on our own that our temptation comes. It's because of me and mine. And so he recognizes that nature of man and the sinfulness of that. And he uses the word iniquity, which is different than transgressions. Because it deals specifically with my sinful nature, who I am in my life. And then he uses the word sin. And the word sin is the idea of missing the mark. The scripture says what? We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? We've all missed the mark. If there is a mark that we're shooting for, every one of us shoot for that mark, but we've missed it. We haven't made it. And so it's not talking so much about the human nature. It's not talking so much about direct disobedience to the law. It's just talking about we fall short. We don't make the mark. We don't get there like we need to get there in regards to the Lord. And then the final word he uses is is really a devastating kind of word. He uses the word evil. And he talks about this evil that I have done. And and the idea is that that it is so vile. It it is, is so disgusting that it is not deserving of being restored it is the idea that what i have done is so bad that that it deserves condemnation and so he acknowledged his sin and he acknowledged the guilt from his past and he used these different terms because he was recognizing just how devastating what he had done was to his life to the lives of others, but especially in relationship to the Lord. And he comes to a point that he says, I have done this thing, this evil thing, against you and you alone. Now, we know there are other people involved, 
other people who were impacted, lives that were taken, lives that were changed, uh, all of this in regards to his sin. But notice when he comes to it, he says, I have done this to you and you alone. The sin that is in my life, the guilt that is eating away at me, is because of my disobedience to you, my transgressions, my iniquities, my sin, and the evilness of my behavior. So we have to be willing in our life to come to a point to begin the process of dealing with that guilt and finding freedom from that and the forgiveness that he offers. First, we have to acknowledge the guilt and we have to acknowledge the sin. We have to recognize where it comes from. We have to recognize what we have done, not, not try to hide it. Not try to sweep it under the carpet or, or keep it private. We have to come to the Lord and openly confess and openly acknowledge to Him the sin of our past and the guilt that we carry. The second thing we see in the text is that he is embracing God's cleansing. Pick up your Bibles, if you would, again with me. Uh, and let's begin in verse 7 of our text today. And he says, he says this, Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which thou hast broken rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. He says, I need to be cleansed. And cleansing can only come from you. I can't cleanse myself. I can't wash myself. I can't make myself white as snow. He needs to embrace God's cleansing. And he is recognizing that, that in the depths of his remorse, in the depths of his sorrow, and the guilt that he's facing, that God is the only one who can cleanse him. God is the only one who can wash him and make him whiter than snow. The mercy of our Heavenly Father is, allows us and, and is boundless for us through a genuine repentance. And so David had to come and had to acknowledge his sin, and his guilt that was, was, was affecting his life. And then he sought the cleansing of God. And he accepted that cleansing. He, he acknowledged that God was the only one who could cleanse and change and transform his life. And that he is the only one that could, could forgive. That's the only avenue of forgiveness. There, there's any, people can say, I forgive you. And, and they can in this life, in this instance, offer forgiveness. But genuine forgiveness that cleanses us. Genuine forgiveness that removes our sin and our iniquities and our past and that which we are guilty of, there's only one place that that forgiveness can come from. And that's from God. And David acknowledges that. And he, he says, wash me and cleanse me. Make me whole. Make me pure. Make me right again in my relationship with you. And so you and I, if we want to deal with the guilt of our past and how it affects us today, the first thing is we have to acknowledge the sin, recognize it, confess it to the Lord, and seek His forgiveness. And then we have to realize that we cannot do anything in and of ourselves to be cleansed from that. That the cleansing, that the washing, that the forgiveness, that the, the purifying, it can only come from God. It can only come from Him and His hands and what He has done through His Son, Christ Jesus. And that we cannot receive forgiveness, we cannot be cleansed or washed or made pure or whole again from any other place. 
And so we must embrace His cleansing. Sometimes cleansing, like other things, sometimes to get rid of it, uh, it can be a little bit of a process. Sometimes cleansing, you get, you know, at work around the house and you get, you get something on your hand that stains it. And it's not just let's wash it and we're done. Sometimes there's a brush and there's some scrubbing and sometimes, there, you know, it can be a little bit painful. In order to try to get rid of that, whatever it is, that, that dirt or filth or stain that you need to get rid of. And so we need to acknowledge His cleansing and understand that we need to allow Him to work through the cleansing process in our life, whatever that might be. Sometimes that, that comes in, in regards to, in relationship to, the consequences of the sin that we committed. And in regards to that, there is a cleansing or a purifying process if we come to God and acknowledge that sin and, and admit the guilt that we're carrying around. And He begins to cleanse us and we have to be willing to embrace and surrender to the cleansing process in order for the weight of the guilt to be removed from our life third thing we see is this, that we rejoice in God's restoration. That we rejoice in God's restoration. And let's pick up again and begin in verse 13 of our text and continue on together. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners will be converted to thee. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, thou God of my salvation." Then my tongue will joyfully sing of thy righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare thy praise. For thou dost not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. Thou art not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are broken, a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. David says, listen. Here's what we have to recognize and understand. He was at a point in his life that he could no longer lift his praises to God. The guilt and the sin and and what had happened was devastating him. He was at the point that there was no joy in his life. He was at the point that he could not speak to others about God. He was at the point that his, his praise meant nothing. It, it didn't bring any joy or, or fulfillment or contentment to his life. And he was seeking God and God's forgiveness. And in that, and in that cleansing process, he says, and when this is accomplished, this is what will happen. I will speak again to others about your righteousness. I will lift my voice in praise of who you are. I will celebrate what you have done and the salvation that you have brought to my life. And so he began to understand what it would mean to be restored by the Lord. He began to comprehend the change that it would make in his life and that he would once again be empowered to do what he had done in the past. He would once again receive the ability to be able to do what he had done previously in praising the Lord and celebrating the Lord and lifting him up. In honoring him and all that he did in his life. But he knew that it was his sin and his guilt that was keeping him from doing that. And he knew that the only way that that would happen again was to embrace this restoration that God was bringing to his heart and to his life. A confession of the sin. An acknowledgement of needing to be cleansed by God. 
And then understanding that in that process that, that God would restore him, that he would restore his heart, he would restore his mind, he would restore his life and make him once again useful and, and that, that he would be able to praise the Lord. And, and notice what he said. He said, it's not about sacrifices. We say things like that sometimes in life. We say things, well, Lord, if you'll do this, I'll do this for you. Lord, if you'll do this, I'll, I'll do this, and, and I'll behave this way, and I'll do this thing. And, and so we, we make those things sacrifices. I'll sacrifice these things to you, God, if you will help me in this. And he said, God, you, you don't need sacrifices. What you need is, is a heart that's humbled. What you need is a, is a heart that's genuine. A heart that's real, that truly desires to be restored in our relationship with you. It's not about bargaining chips and, and I'll make this sacrifice or I'll give up this thing or I'll do this thing or, you know, hey, if you'll take care of this God, I'll start going to church every Sunday or any of those things like that. He said, it's not about sacrifices. It's about our heart. He said, it's about where our heart is. It's about a humble heart. It's about a submissive heart. Surrendering the Lord. And he said it's the process of restoration. Of being restored again to, to the place that we were before. In our relationship with him. And receiving the power of that. And receiving the blessing of that. And understanding what that means to us. And then that giving us the energy. And, and the thought process. And the com- commitment and the ability to share that with other people. That, hey, I was, was in a, a place and God restored me. God forgave me. God cleansed me. God redeemed me. God set me back on the right path and a right relationship with Him. And being able to tell people about that. That doesn't mean that you have to go to them, and, and, uh, and sometimes you do, but, but it doesn't mean you have to go to them and tell them every little dirty thing that you've ever done, and, and then God restored me. But you have to be willing to go to them and say, listen, this is where I was. I was in a bad place. I let some things come between me and the Lord, and the guilt of that was eating up at me. But God came, and He cleansed me. And He made me whole, and He restored me, and, and He reestablished my relationship with Him. And now I want to tell other people about it. I want people that are dealing with guilt to have that same opportunity, to have that same experience, that they can be relieved of that guilt, that they can be restored in that relationship. And so notice what He said. He said, I, I'm once again going to tell people about you. I'm once again going to tell people about what you've done in my life and how you've saved me and forgiven me and restored me and reestablished me in my relationship with you. Fourth and final thing this morning is this. Is we need to pray for renewed joy and assurance. Pick up with me if you would and let's begin in verse 18 and listen to what he says. He says, By thy favor do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then thou wilt delight in righteousness, sacrifices, in burnt offerings, in whole burnt offerings. Then, then young bulls will be offered on the, thine altar to thee. What did he say? Wait a minute. A minute ago he said you don't desire sacrifices. Now all of a sudden he's talking about sacrifices. What's the difference? The difference is, is that he's not using sacrifices now as a bargaining chip for God to cleanse him or to God to relieve him or forgive him or, or, or set him free from his guilt. He's been set free from the guilt. He's been restored. He's now in the right relationship. And because he is, now his sacrifices are acceptable to God. 
Now what he is willing to do for the Lord is embraced and accepted by the Lord because it's not being used as a bargaining chip. It's not being used as, as a negotiating tool. But rather, he says, now, yeah, I can bring you all the bulls and goats that I want, but if I don't have a right heart, and I don't allow you to come and cleanse and forgive me, then you don't care about any of that. All you care about is my heart. All you care about is my life. All you care about is my right relationship with you. And now that that's been restored, he said, there is a joy in my life. There is a a renewed joy and an assurance of my relationship with you. And now, my sacrifices are acceptable. Now the things that I bring to you and the sacrifices I make, you receive those gladly. Why? Because my heart is in a right relationship with you. I'm not trying to use those as a bargaining chip to get you to forgive me, but I'm using those as a source of praise and acknowledgement of what you have already done for me. And there's a distinct difference in that, and it's important that we recognize that and realize that in our own lives is that He loves us and He cares about us and He wants to forgive us. But it's not one of those things that we can come and say, well, if I do this, will you do that? It's not one of those things that we say, if I come and give this up or if I embrace this or if I start doing that, I'm going to go to church every week. I'm going to read my Bible every day, Lord. And He said, no, 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 no. I don't want those sacrifices. I want your heart. And once I have your heart and we're in a right relationship with one another again, And the joy has been restored. And the hope has been restored. Now, now I want you to come and say to me, God, because you love me and because I love you, I'm going to go to church every Sunday. God, because you love me and I love you, I'm going to read my Bible every day. Not as a bargaining chip to get something from God, but as a response to the grace and mercy and forgiveness that He has demonstrated toward us. And he calls us to that, and David helps us to recognize that day, to understand what it means for us to truly be forgiven and to be set free from the guilt in our life. But it begins with confession. It begins with the removal of the sin. And that takes place when we come to God and we're honest with Him and we seek His forgiveness. And then it continues in the process that He restores my joy. And He restores my hope. He renews my fellowship with Him. And that now I'm in fellowship with Him. And then He allows me to refocus on the future that I have with Him in the kingdom of heaven. Listen to what God's Word says. The Apostle John writes in 1 John and he says this. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will, not might, can, could will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we are faithful to come to Him and confess, God, this sin is eating me alive. This sin and the guilt of it is destroying my life. I confess it to you. I lay it on the altar. And I seek you to forgive me and to help me in my life. Then God's word says he is faithful. Listen to these two words. This is critical. Faithful and just. What does that mean? Just means justice. Is just to serve when he forgives me of my sin and, and I don't have to pay the penalty for that? Nope. It's only paid. Justice is only paid. Justice is only there because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's why He sent His Son. 
to die on a cross for your sins and for my sins. He sent it in acknowledgement that, that if we are going to be justified in our relationship with him, there had to be a price that was paid. And so he's not holding us responsible for the price because he's already paid the price. That's how I'm relieved of guilt. That's how I'm forgiven my sin. And that's how there is a hope and a joy for a future in my relationship with the Lord. If you're here today and there is guilt,